In you, Lord, my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come to those who are treacherous without cause. Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he, is, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful towards those who keep the demands of his covenant. For the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. He will spend their days in prosperity and their descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and free me from my anguish. Look on my affliction and my distress and take away all my sins. See how numerous are my enemies and how fiercely they hate me. Guard my life and rescue me. Do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness protect me, because my hope, Lord, is in you. Deliver Israel, O God, from all their troubles. This is the word of the Lord. That's on page 393 of your Pew Bibles. If you have one in front of you, keep that open, and we'll make reference to it as we go. Father, please would you be at work this morning as we open up your word, as we try to understand it. Please would you, we find you speaking to us in it. And please would uh, we take away all the things that will be helpful to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. How do you know when God is leading you, when he's guiding you through life? When, when you have a big decision to make, as we all sometimes do, who to marry, which job to take, where to move, how can you be sure that you aren't just making your own decisions, but you're living within God's plan? As a pastor, I get to hear how lots of people think that happens, um, how they perceive God to be leading them. And some people think that uh, deep, persistent desires are the leading of God. Surely, they think, God would want me to have the desire of my heart. And that's an approach 
It's an approach that leads to that often tried but rarely successful pickup line, God told me we should get married. It's not exactly the, the way um, that things work, I think. But the desire makes people think that's the way that God leads. Other people, they look for signs and omens. So they're forever seeking out numbers with hidden meanings. They're looking for uh, direction from just snippets of conversation with strangers. Um, they're opening up to random places in the Bible and sort of putting their finger down and they think, ah, maybe this is God's direction for me. But that approach always seems to lead either to haphazard decision-making or to indecisiveness because who can really say, was that God's leading? Was that just a um, spicy meal that I ate and a strange dream that I had? Who knows? Still others just sort of drift through life. They sort of passively allow those around them or their circumstances to make their decisions for them. For them, when things are easy, when things just work out, well, that's when they have peace about it. That, that must be what God wants because things are easy. But surely following God is not always smooth sailing. I mean, we don't get that idea from anyone in Scripture, really. He very often calls people in the Bible to step out of ease and into hardship. In truth, all of those approaches are sub-biblical, sub-Christian approaches to guidance. The Bible tells us that God does give guidance to individuals and to groups, but it may not be the way we expect. And if we want to know how God guides and leads, there are few better places than Psalm 25. In fact, at the heart of this psalm is the promise of guidance for the believer. Who then are those who fear the Lord, verse 12? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. Those who fear the Lord, it's a way of saying those who are in right relationship with God. It's shorthand to say those who are living by faith in the Lord. To fear the Lord is to live the life of faith, to be a Christian. And the promise is here for Christians that God has a way for us. He has a path for us. And that he will guide us, instruct us in it. There are many ways in life, many decisions to make that will take us down different roads. God has a way for us. But here's the thing. He doesn't promise to give us a map. He promises to be our guide. And that's a very different thing. If you've ever had to, to find a certain address in one of the, the villages around Sai Kung or in the New Territories, you know it's a very different thing to have the directions typed out for you in your WhatsApp chat turn left here and go down this alley and, uh, you know, villages are laid out like rabbit warrens. And so it's a long description that might just get you there if you follow it exactly, if you see all the things the way the person who's written it sees them. But if they say, yeah, the big car park, park there, I'll come down, I'll get you. 
then you don't know where you're going when they come and get you, but you know they know where you're going, and so they're your guide. And that's what the Lord promises to his people. Not that he'll give us a map and say, you know, you should make this choice and that choice and turn left there, but no, I will guide you in every decision of life. Not that you'll see the whole thing all at once, but you trust that he's leading the way. And in this psalm, we see that for the Christian believer, God promises not to be a dispenser of guidance, but to be the guide. In other words, this psalm and the Bible as a whole teaches that guidance is not something that God gives you so much as something that God does for you. And because of that, the Bible doesn't talk so much about how to get guidance, but about how to be the kind of person that's guided by the Lord. If you want to be the kind of person who's guided by God in life, Psalm 4 tells us uh, three things that must be true of you to be guided by the Lord. If you want to be guided by the Lord, learn God's general will from the Bible. That's the first thing. Look again at verses 4 and 5 in this psalm. Show me your paths, Lord. Teach me Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are our God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Uh, the psalmist, he has specific challenges and questions that he needs to answer, but he starts with the general. He wants to know the ways, the paths plural, the truth of the Lord. He knows that before he can make a, a wise decision in his own way, he needs to see how the Lord has led people in the past, other people, how he's guided their paths. He's asking God to teach him and, and to train him in his word. And that makes sense because seeing how God has guided people in the past is the best training we can get to discern how he's leading in the present. God is the same yesterday, he's the same today, and forever into the future. So as we become more familiar with the ways that he's worked with people, the, the ways that he's led people, uh, then we will be more familiar with it now. Our minds will be trained to distinguish right from wrong, what, what God says is wise from what is foolish. Over time, we learn to make wise decisions that are pleasing to God by studying the scriptures. And I don't think that's something that we really want to hear, is it? Because when you get to the point of urgently asking the question, you know, which university should I go to for some of us who are at that stage of life? Or, or is this the person that I should marry? Well, you want a yes or a no. You want a here or there. That's the sort of answer you want. You want a shortcut. You don't want to be told, read your Bible, unless it's a specific verse that gives you an answer to your specific question. But that's not what's promised here at all. 
The fact is that the only way you're ever going to become wise, the only way that you're ever going to make the right decisions is to have your faculties trained by Scripture. And yeah, you'd be more able to make a wise decision today if you had started that 10 years ago, but you'll be more able to make a wise decision in 10 years if you start today, familiarizing yourself with God's Word. There is no shortcut. You have to be trained to discern the way the Lord leads. And the scriptures are where we are trained in heart and mind so that you'll be able to discern God's leading in your life. Start digging into the scriptures now. Because God guides people who learn his general will from the Bible. That's the first thing. The second thing that you need to be, if you're the kind of person that God will guide, is you need to, to humble yourself before the Lord. Did you notice how often in this prayer, this psalm of, for guidance, the psalmist pauses and he confesses his sin? It's there in verse 7, it's there in verse 11, it's there again in verse 18, and it's implied in other places. And I know that last week, Leslie, he spoke on repentance, or at least that's what the psalm was about, so I assume that's what he spoke on. Uh, so I'm not going to labor that point this week, but do notice how important repentance is for guidance. Our actions create habits, our habits form our character. Therefore, if we're ever going to make wise decisions, we need to break from the foolish decisions that have shaped us. If you want God to guide you in some area of decision, you've got to humble yourself and repent of sin. See how David prays in verses 7 to 9. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you, Lord, are good. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. David confesses that without any excuse without any qualifications he has sinned sins of his youth sins of his present and he trusts that God is going to forgive those sins not because he deserves forgiveness but because God is good in fact God is so good and so upright that he therefore according to verse 8 he's good and upright therefore he instructs sinners in his way. Consider that. God doesn't just forgive sin. He doesn't just forgive us when we repent. Actually, he comes alongside us when we repent and he guides us in how to live more in his purposes. He leads sinners to live good and upright lives like himself. He doesn't say, well, you had your chance, and now I'm not interested. No, he says, come along. I'll show you the better way. He guides the humble. 
So what does that mean in practice for us? Well, maybe it's a wake-up call for some. Maybe you are worried about a specific decision, you're seeking guidance, but meanwhile there's this other area of your life that you know you're being disobedient in. You're disobeying the Lord. Maybe you are bitter towards someone and you refuse to forgive. Maybe you're sleeping with someone you shouldn't be sleeping with. Maybe you aren't being generous with your time. Maybe, maybe you're being selfish in some way. You know you're being disobedient. I don't need to convince you of it. You're convinced. Well, you should know that God opposes the proud. He says that over and over. Those who say in their hearts, I know better than God, and I know what he says about this, but I'm not going to listen to him about that, but I really would like guidance over there. I have my reasons, God, why I'm doing things my way. God opposes the proud, and that is pride. But he guides the humble. If you humble yourself before him, if you repent before him, he will teach you. He's promised it. He's so good and so upright, therefore, he will instruct you. He wants you to lead a life of holiness and of wisdom, and he will actually show you how to do it if you humble yourself. David says, don't remember the sins of my youth, remember me. For the sake of your name, forgive my great iniquities. See my affliction, take away my sin. So Psalm 25 shows us that the Lord guides those who have their faculties trained by the Bible. It shows us that he instructs those who humble themselves before him. And lastly, he proves himself gracious to those who patiently hope in him. I said at the beginning, there is this promise of guidance in Scripture for the individual. But what is the experience of living a life guided by the Lord? What is that like? Is David saying that because the Lord is his guide, he will be able to avoid serious problems? He will be able to, to be shielded from pain? Well, a quick scan of the rest of the psalm shows that that cannot be his message. There are still snares in life, according to verse 15. He still faces loneliness and affliction, according to verse 16. His enemies are fiercely, that is, violently, hating him, verse 19. He has serious difficulties in life. And yet, and yet, as he puts his trust in the Lord prayerfully, something fundamental does change in his life. His experience of life with all its hardships becomes very different when he puts his trust in the Lord. How so? Well, such that in the midst of his affliction, as his enemies are surrounding him, as he's distressed, he's able to say, verse 10, 
all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful toward those who keep the demands of his covenant. Do you see how incredible that is? What he's saying is that as he looks to the Lord for guidance, as he comes to trust God's character as revealed in his word and humbles himself before God, he's discovered that every path in life reveals only love, only faithfulness more and more. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful. That, that is the same thing that Paul says in Romans eight twenty eight, that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. And here's what it means. It means that a Christian looking for guidance, you can relax. You can relax because, well, maybe in the past you have picked up the idea that God has a plan for you, but that made you worry. Because maybe you thought, okay, he has a plan, but what if I mess up the plan? You know, what if I marry the wrong person? What if I go to the wrong school? What if I change careers and then realize that was a very stupid decision to make? And we think God's plan is like my flights over the last week with lots of connections to make. And if you miss one connection, you don't arrive at the end. You never get to God's plan A if you miss one of those steps. And you, you miss the person you were meant to marry, well, it's plan B for you. And oh, you didn't do the career you were supposed to do? I guess plan C will have to do now. But this says all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful. Everything that happens to you will eventually prove to be for your good. Even your mistakes. Even when you do stupid things. There will be consequences in life, sometimes unpleasant ones, but at the end of the day, you will come to see how God is lovingly caring for you through it all. I mentioned that while I was away, I spent some time with my sister and her family, and in a kind of miraculous turn of events, I was able to speak to her and her husband about the deep things of faith in a way that I've never been able to before in the last uh, 15 years or more. Wonderfully, my brother-in-law, before I left, started reading a gospel in the last day I was with them. And the first thing he asked about was the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew. He was asking about all these names, where they came from. How did they keep records of what must have been thousands of years? And I explained that many of these names were characters from the Old Testament, but he didn't know that. He's never been taught anything of the Bible. Adam and Abraham and Jacob and, and so on, these are not just a list of names, but, a, but characters that you come to know in Scripture. But if he continues to read, 
and, and to dive in, consider all these messy stories that that genealogy points to. You know, Tamar is in Matthew's list. That is uh, the woman whose husband died and she didn't have an heir, and so she had to trick Judah into sleeping with her so that she could produce an heir. Then there's Rahab, the prostitute, who she witnessed the destruction of her city and of her people, and she joined the people of God. And there's Jehoiakim. He was the last king who was marched off to Babylon in the exile, saw his whole kingdom collapse. And so many others in that list If you were an eyewitness in their day and age, you would say, their lives are so messed up, they never even got to God's plan Z for them. They missed it all. And yet each person's story, with all their sin, their brokenness, is part of the story that led to the birth of the Messiah. The plan Bs and the plan Zs were actually all part of God's loving and faithful plan to save his people. And what that means is that as you wrestle over decisions, you can relax. You can't screw it up. Not fully. Not finally. You can't screw it up. God is never going to throw up his hands and say, well, now you've done it. No helping you now. No. He's too good for that. He's so good. He's so upright. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his way. Let's pray. Father, thank you that wherever we're at now, whatever we're dealing with, whatever questions and decisions we need to make, that you have promised to guide us. Please would that be a very present reality to us this week. Would you help us to discern your guidance in our lives? For those of us who uh, have not yet been trained in, in your word, by your word, please give us the resolve to, to start that process so that we can be wiser in life. And to those who are uh, fearful about some upcoming issue, please would you help them to relax and trust you. And I pray that as individuals and as a church, more and more we will find you leading the way, being our guide. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.